A Telltale Pod production. Emika, the Pathfinder, Part 2 Towering above the canopy of trees, Emika and Jory at last saw the walls and turrets of the castle, and their path led them right up to a drawbridge and a huge iron portcullis. How silent everything seemed. There were no watchmen at the gate, no guards on the parapets, just large ravens that hopped along the walls, looking at them with glittering eyes. Must we enter this place? asked Joy fearfully. Emeka too felt a deep fear in his heart, but the acorns burned in his pocket, and he knew that only he could destroy the power of the sorcerer. We must go in, he said firmly. An enormous bell hung from a chain, but before they could ring it, the gate swung open to reveal a courtyard. A long red carpet led, like an extension of their forest path, all the way up a staircase and into a great chamber. There, sitting on the throne, was the sorcerer, clutching a black and gold rod. Abitus looked like a huge blob that changed shape constantly, first like a writhing snake, then a dark, thunderous cloud, now like a tiger, now like a dragon, and then like a man with an evil face, long, claw-like fingernails, and glinting feline eyes that fixed on them. Sitting alongside him was his queen, in a swirling black satin dress, all spangled with diamonds, with iron black teeth, and lips so red it was as though she had gorged herself on raw meat. What brings you to my palace? asked the sorcerer, with a voice like sizzling ice. How did you find your way through the forest? We just followed a path, replied Emika. You followed a path, murmured the sorcerer, and you never got lost. We often felt lost, said Joy, but Emika always finds a path to follow. Emika always finds a way, does he? Abateth's voice was deadly. That's why he's known as Emika the Path. Emika nudged her to be quiet, and Joy's voice trailed away miserably. The children stood in silence. Never before had they been in the presence of such evil. Emika the Pathfinder, how can a puny little boy like you be a Pathfinder? But then the sorcerer rose to his feet. If you are a Pathfinder, 
You must be destroyed. He swooped down and struck Emika six times with his black and gold wand, once across his neck, then his right arm, his left arm, his right leg, his left. The sixth stroke pierced his heart. With a dreadful scream, Joy fell to her knees among his severed limbs, and as she saw the light dying in her brother's eyes, he whispered, Take the acorns. Clutched in one of his hands was the little cloth pouch. Joy secretly thrust it into her pocket before she fainted away. The sorcerer raised his gold and black wand as if to cast a spell over Joy, but the queen intervened. Give me the girl, Abitith. You know how much I have longed for a daughter. Let her be mine. He shrugged. Do what you like with her. He scooped up the six parts of Emika's body and buried them in the forest where the six paths crossed. The head he placed facing north, the feet south, and each arm stretched out, one towards the east and one towards the west. In the very centre, where the six paths met, he buried Emika's heart. Which direction can you take now, Pathfinder? Apatith exclaimed triumphantly. Joy awoke in the middle of the night. Never had she felt so drowsily comfortable. She was dressed in a silken nightdress and lay in a fabulous four-poster bed with rich drapes and a satin quilt. Then she remembered Emika. My brother is dead! Grief tore at her heart and then she rolled over and howled into her goose-feather pillow. Hearing her sobs, the queen entered her chamber. Oh, my little princess, she cooed. Sleep, my little daughter. Now you're mine. She passed her hand over Joy's eyes. Forget everything else. You belong here now. And she slid silently from the room as Joy fell into a deep sleep. When she awoke, she remembered nothing. Not her home, her mother, the forest, not even Emika. For a while, Joy thought that she was indeed the daughter of the sorcerer and his wife. Yet, despite being dressed in the finest clothes and adorned with precious jewels, she insisted on having round her neck a simple cloth pouch containing six acorns, and she always left a little pile of seeds on her window ledge for the red squirrel that visited her every day. The queen cosseted her, played with her, and called her joy of my life. She took her into the garden, wandering among the flower beds and fountains, and pushing her on the swing. In the afternoon, the queen took her daily nap in the rose bower, and Joy wandered off alone, feeling a deep and unaccountable sorrow. At the sight of the little red squirrel cocking its head at her and rubbing its paws, she felt a surge of recognition, yet her memory was still trapped behind a veil of forgetfulness. The squirrel chattered and squeaked and sprang towards a little wooden door in the garden wall. It seemed to want her to follow. 
Joy stepped forward and opened the door to find herself staring into a deep, wild forest beyond. The squirrel bounded to and fro, urging her to follow, and after a while she found herself at a place where six paths crossed. The squirrel poured at a small mound of earth on the path leading northwards. Suddenly she felt the pouch of acorns burning into her chest, and a voice came from beneath the earth. I am Emeka the Pathfinder. Find me, Emeka the Pathfinder. Find me. Now she remembered everything. Like a thunderbolt striking her brain, Joy remembered who she was. She remembered her real mother and her little home and the time when she was happy. And she remembered Emeka. Emeka, my brother, she wept. And you are Kukru. She watched Emeka's pet, the little red squirrel, hopping over the mound and scraping at the earth. And she too began digging frantically with her hands until she had discovered Emeka's head, which faced north. How she wailed with grief and cradled it. But now the pouch of acorns around her neck rattled, as if trying to break free, and a voice seemed to be whispering, I am Emeka the Pathfinder. I am Emeka the Pathfinder. Plant me. Joy took out an acorn and placed it inside Emeka's mouth, and covered his head over with earth again. Then she heard the queen calling her, Joy! Joy! Where are you? And hastily, she ran back through the gate and into the garden. Where have you been, my darling daughter? asked the queen when she returned. Uh, just planting acorns in the forest. I want to so much see them grow into oaks. The queen laughed. Why, you silly little goose. Oaks take hundreds of years to grow. You'll never see your acorns become oaks. But off you go, if it makes you happy. Her red mouth opened in a smile, showing her iron-black teeth. The next day, while the queen slept, Joy followed the squirrel into the forest again. They came to the place where the six paths crossed, and the squirrel leapt onto another mound of earth, along a path running to the east, and once more she heard the whispering. I am Emeka the Pathfinder. Find me. Emeka the Pathfinder, plant me. She went over to where Kukru was scraping the earth and, as before, dug with her fingers till she had uncovered an arm. It was Emeka's right arm, its hand open and stretching towards the west. She took it up and kissed it, weeping profusely, then placed an acorn in the open hand and covered it over with earth again. Then she turned up the soil to the east and found his left arm. Kissing it tenderly, she placed the third acorn in the outstretched hand, just as she heard the queen calling for her. Joy! Joy! Where are you, my darling girl? The following day, as soon as the queen fell asleep, Joy again entered the forest. There was the squirrel hopping over another mound of earth and pawing at the soil. Then she heard the whispering. I am Emeka the Pathfinder. 
Find me. I am Emika the Pathfinder. Plant me. She dug into the earth and found his right leg stretching towards the southwest, and then his left leg pointing towards the southeast. As before, she placed a fourth and fifth acorn between the toes of each foot. There was just one acorn left to plant, but again she had to return as the queen woke and called for her. It was the fourth day. The queen had settled into her rosy bower for her afternoon nap and Joy was desperate to set off for the forest, so that Kukru could show her where she should plant her last acorn. The Queen's breathing had become soft and steady, as one asleep, and Joy was about to steal away when the Queen's eyes flew open, and she sat up reproachfully. Where are you going, my darling daughter? Just to the forest, mother, to plant acorns. I do so want to see them grow into oak trees. The queen embraced her. I don't yet feel sleepy. Why don't we take a walk in the forest? You can show me where you've planted those acorns of yours. Joy had to think quickly. She had to plant her last acorn. But the queen took her arm and went towards the small wooden door in the garden wall. Well? Where did you plant them? she demanded. This way, said Joy, as they walked out into the shady forest, and she led her along a path in the opposite direction. It took them into a deeper and darker part of the forest, and soon the queen was tugging her gown free of the thicket and giving little gasps of unease at the sounds of rustling and grunts in the undergrowth. Aren't we there yet? she demanded impatiently. Oh dear, sighed Joy. The forest is so big and everywhere looks the same. I can't remember which path I took and where I buried them. I'm so sorry. Come, come, my dear. I'm not surprised you can't find them in this wilderness. We'd better go back before we get lost. And the queen hurriedly tugged Joy around and they returned to the palace walls. It was still warm and sunny in the garden, and at last the queen yawned. We may not have found your acorns, my dear, she murmured, but the exercise has made me sleepy. She stretched herself out onto a bed of rose petals. Stay with me while I sleep a little, my child. You are so beloved. So Joy stayed with her, though she was desperate to leave. She soothed her brow and sang a soft lullaby, feeling nothing but dread for this sorcerer's queen, with her blood-red mouth and iron-black teeth, and at last she slept. Joy crept away and sped from the gardens into the forest to see where she should plant her sixth and last acorn. There, at the very point where the six paths crossed, was the red squirrel, pawing at a small mound of earth. The last acorn in the pouch around her neck began to burn with such intensity that Joy ripped it off. She scraped away the earth, and there was Emika's heart. Oh, brother Emika, Joy wept as she planted the last acorn and laid his heart over it. Dear brother, live! Then the queen's voice called to her from the palace. Beloved daughter, why did you leave me? 
Where are you? Joy fled back to the little wooden door and into the garden. I'm here, I'm here, she cried. I was only trying to remember where I planted my acorns. That night, when the queen was preparing Joy for bed, she exclaimed, Why, my darling daughter, how came you to have such a mark on your chest? And sure enough, there was a bird, the shape and size of an acorn. It wasn't there before. The queen's eyes narrowed to slits and her red mouth twitched with suspicion. Oh, it's nothing, laughed Joy. I had a slight cough. I pressed a hot silver spoon to my chest. Silly me. And giving the queen a goodnight kiss, she slipped into bed. But as soon as the queen had gone, Joy heard a scratching at her window. And there was Kukru, his tail quivering with agitation, rubbing his paws together and giving little jumps. Joy understood his message. You must leave now. Escape while you can. She climbed out the window and scrambled down the twisted vine onto the grass. Bounding and twirling, Kukru led Joy to the wooden door and out into the forest. Run, run, the squirrel urged. Meanwhile. The queen had gone to her husband, the sorcerer. I fear this child cannot be my daughter after all, the little witch. What shall we do with her? When Abitus heard that Joy had been planting acorns in the forest, and that she had an acorn burn on her chest, he suddenly understood and shuddered with fear. The power of the Pathfinder had not yet been totally destroyed. Bring the girl here, he ordered. But when the queen went to Joy's bedchamber, she saw the empty bed and the open window. The sorcerer squawked and hissed with fury. It was the caw of the crow, the spitting of the serpent, the howl of the devil. He spread out his arms and his black flowing cloak and quickly turned into a monstrous flying creature. He knew his only hope was to catch Joy and destroy her. Joy ran and ran deep into the forest, while Abateth called on all the wild beasts to find her and kill her. The trees swished and swirled, and acorns rained to the ground. She came to the wolf princess's cottage and burst inside, crying, Save me! Save me! A snarling wolf crouched, ready to spring with bared teeth. Joy saw the silver chain and glass stone that she had left for the princess, and snatching it up, she flung it around the wolf's neck. Immediately, the spell was broken, and there stood Princess Flora. But the trees were rattling, and all the wild beasts were howling and roaring. Find the child! screamed the sorcerer, bringing darkness to the forest with his billowing cloak. Princess Flora grasped Joy's arm. We must go to my brother, the bear. He will save us. They came to the bear prince's cottage, and Flora rushed inside. When he saw her, the bear lunged forward with a shattering roar about to eat her up. But Joy grasped Emika's little wooden horse, which still stood on the table, and held it before him. This is the horse made by Emika the Pathfinder. Save him! she cried, 
and she ran inside. In an instant, the bear turned into Prince Florian, and the little wooden horse became a noble oak-brown stallion with a mane as shiny as acorns. He pawed at the earth, eager to be off. Florian and Flora leapt onto the horse and reached down for joy, but the sorcerer descended like a tempest and enveloped her in an impenetrable darkness, separating her from them. All she could hear was their frantic voices fading into the distance. The forest crackled as if on fire. Kill her! Kill! Kill! Abateth ordered the wild beasts. Gleaming eyes stared out of the darkness, but nothing moved to attack her. Obey me! shrieked the sorcerer, but suddenly there was Kukru, scampering at her feet. Follow me! Follow me! The gleaming eyes of the beasts lit up a way through the forest, till Joy came full circle, back where the six paths met, where she had planted the six acorns over Emika's limbs. A bright moon lit up the sky. To her amazement, she saw that the acorns she had planted had grown into six giant oaks, and from each tree ran a path, each in a different direction. Abateth billowed towards them like a tornado, waving his black and gold wand. Joy sank to her knees at the very centre of the crossed paths and called out, Amica! Out of the burial grounds came firstly a head from the north, then arms from the east and west, and two legs from the south and from the very centre, pointing up to heaven, a heart. They merged together and became one body. Emika, singing at the top of his voice, I am Emika, the Pathfinder! The branches of the six oaks reached out from all points of his body, their greenery stretching towards earth and sky, and became the Green Man scattering the clouds into a burst of thunder. The sorcerer Abitus disintegrated into thousands of hailstones, which fell to earth and melted away. All around, more paths suddenly emerged, like prisoners coming out of the darkness of incarceration, paths that ran in all directions through the forest, taking travellers to their destinations. We're free! We're free! The paths are free! The travellers are free! Emika and Joy flew into each other's arms, and Kukru leapt up onto Emika's shoulder and nibbled his ear. The sorcerer's queen stood on the castle walls, surrounded by the ravens. She gave a great howl of grief. Oh, Joy, how I wished you'd been my child, my beloved daughter! She raised her arms as if to wave goodbye, and with the ravens rose into the stormy sky and flew away. And suddenly, the sun shone. The birds of the forest broke into song, and everything looked golden. A rider came out of the forest along a path from the south, mounted on Emika's horse. It was the king, looking upright and strong, his face brimming with happiness. Holding the bridle on either side were Prince Florian and Princess Flora. And so Emika the Pathfinder and his sister Joy broke the power of Abitus the Sorcerer and restored a kingdom to its king 
and a father to his children. The king and his children begged Joy and Emika to stay with them forever, and for a while they lived in great happiness. But one day Emika went before the king. Sire, he said, bowing low, the time has come for me to go. I am a pathfinder, and I must seek my own path of destiny. Joy wept to see her brother go, but her path had ended at the palace, where she and Prince Florian had fallen in love and pledged to marry. Princess Flora also wept to see Emika leave. How she hoped that, perhaps, his path would one day lead him back to the castle, where she would be waiting. They all stood on the castle ramparts, and watched as Emika mounted his oak-brown horse and set off along a path, following wherever it would take him. A Tell a Tale Pod production.